I'm Korean Jacob, Principal Highgate Ventures. I'm today's guest on Tech Talk Travel. of techtalk.travel. Today's guest is Kurian Jacob from Highgate Ventures. Kurian, great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Andre. Great to be here. Kurian, let's start by talking a little bit about your background and your part. Tell me a little bit about your role and how you actually became interested in the industry and what you, what you, what you did as you learned or as you grew into your roles or your career. Sure. Uh, first of all, actually, uh, I'm not a, a real hotel person so, because I I'm an engineer and MBA by background, so I don't have the hotel experience. Uh, but I was lucky to get into the Taj Hotels uh, and Resorts back uh, straight away in revenue management, thrown in and said, listen, we need to create this whole revenue management platform for our hotel so that we can be cutting edge uh, uh, in the world and mm. start um, getting this platform across our hotels so we can be one of the best hotel chains in the future. Uh, that was a great start. Uh, did very well with them. Uh, tried to uh, try to bring in the culture of revenue management after reading Robert Cross's book, uh, very simple book, and said, okay, how do you translate that into um, actual action items? Uh, and then from there on, I came in to join Highgate Hotels uh, in New York. Uh, Highgate has primarily been a real estate investor buying hotel real estate assets. And over time, they started also managing some of these uh, real estate assets, not just for their own portfolio hotels, but also for other owners. Um, I have a total background in revenue management, spent a lot of years in that. And uh, the recent one with Highgate Hotels was around two years ago when I, was, uh, I finished my role as a chief revenue officer. It was a lot of fun building a great team, uh, great tools, and, and seeing the company succeed in, in revenue management and a lot of other other uh, investment side that they did it was a really lot of fun. Um, and over the years, I've definitely been dabbling with, with, with Highgate on some technology initiatives and always knew that if you get the right technology in and um, you could actually help the hotels do better. And we saw some early success. And from there on, I think uh, uh, our founders and principals realized that uh, I have a good, um, good acumen for this side too. It said, you know what, the way technology is moving very quickly and is there is there an opportunity to grow the third arm of the business, which is the Highgate uh, Ventures or technology side of the business, mm. compared to the real estate as well as the management operating side of hotels to being at the forefront of uh, uh, technology ventures in the travel tech space. Okay. So that's how I, I jumped into my new role as a principal within Highgate Ventures. Okay, great. That sounds very interesting. <laughs> definitely, definitely interesting because moving from a, a, a stabilized uh, uh, ship which was running smoothly mm. to actually coming in and, and starting to create something from new was very very challenging but very very interesting. Well, I'm so. sure, yeah, I'm sure, and I'm sure rewarding as well over time. Uh, definitely, I'm sure the, the rewards are definitely longer term. Yeah, because yeah. we have to see the fruits of what we're doing today, which yeah. uh, which hopefully we we make some good investments which we've made hopefully as well as um, grown some companies which we've incubated ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I I definitely think it's it's rewarding now. 
but I'm sure it's hopefully going to be much more rewarding in the future too. Yeah, good, good. Um, let's talk a little bit about your booking habits as an experienced revenue manager. What are your booking habits when you go out and you want to go on a trip, let's say for a leisure trip? Talk to me about how Kurian Jacobs books his holidays. Do you have a PA doing it for you? Do you do it yourself? And if so, do you go through certain channels? Very good question. So on the business side, uh, I do have an assistant of mine who's pretty good and she knows exactly what I like. Uh, when I like to go, where I like to stay, I like to, I prefer, I prefer the boutique hotels uh, where there's personality. Mm. Um, I don't like to stay in chain hotels, so she knows that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely location is key as to where, uh, how close it is to uh, a particular business uh, that that I'm doing. Yep. Um, and even sometimes within that, I actually also would, would try and take a look at the properties on TripAdvisor, but most of, most of the time she would just book the place for me and, 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 and it's easy that way. Yeah. Uh, but on a leisure trip, I, I go through the same profile of, of exactly saying what, what personality hotel will fit my personality. And again, look for location as, a, as an important part. Look at um, certain star rating. I don't need to stay in the five-star hotel, but um, somewhere from four to five anywhere. Uh, definitely reviews. And, and not just uh, reviews by itself, but it's also about what people are saying about the stuff. I mean, I'd love to, I love the hotels which are moving more community-oriented uh, kind of stuff. So there's a certain feel that you, you feel that that's the best hotel connect and that's yeah. what I look for. Yeah. So I go to a number of different sites. Uh, I definitely start with TripAdvisor, for sure it gives me the best. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, but then the other OTA sites, and most of the time I always book direct because you know that if you book direct, you normally always get the best treatment. Right, right. Um, even though the OTAs do a great job, but hoteliers still like to give reward people who book directly with them. Yeah. Absolutely. Even if you're not a loyal member. Absolutely. You mentioned TripAdvisor. Um, right. Do you feel, if, 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 I was, if I go onto TripAdvisor today and yeah. I look at what the top 10 to 15 hotels are in New York City, the right. top reviews, it's not the big branded properties. Right. It seems to be more of the communal, as you said, the independence yeah. and, and even boutique style properties. Do you think uh, the big brands are missing the mark in this market space when it comes to pitching to the, the luxury end of the market or the top end of the scale? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think you must have gone in and, 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 and sorted it based on ranking on TripAdvisor, right, right, which, is, right. which is slightly different than sorting it by star category. I mean, yeah. if you sort by star category, you, you would start seeing some of the brands of come up on TripAdvisor. But, but what, what it shows is, there's validation that you really don't have to be a brand and with all this user-generated content, if people really like your hotel and there's that affinity to say, you know what, hotels which really have good service, have a good, uh, good sort of a vibe and energy and all of those factors come in, they can actually be seen by a lot of people. And I've, I've remember studies with TripAdvisor saying that the hotels in the top ranking spots generate a lot more views than what hotels would be on the second or third or fourth page. Mm. And that is worth a lot of money. So is there, is there an imbalance? Um, a city like major metropolitan cities like New York or San Francisco, Miami, the brands are good, but because of the proliferation of the internet and the ease of information available to everybody, it's not a must. If you can operate a really good hotel, uh, with those kind of characteristics, you can do well in these kind of markets. So yeah. that's that's definitely a validation. Yeah, yeah. Um, a hotelier or a, a hotel developer that I really like to follow is Ian Schrager. 
And he's, uh, if he hasn't already, I think he's about to open a new property here in New York, which is based on a very much a communal um, environment, if you like, right. bringing the community back into the, uh, the hospitality piece. Um, and I think there was a very strong influence from him to do that because of the reach and the penetration that Airbnb has been able to, to have and to show. Um, do you think generally that hotels and even perhaps big branded hotels will start to think about that more as well and, and maybe tweak their uh, strategies in terms of how they're going to open new properties and what type of properties they'll open? Yeah, I mean, for sure. First of all, uh, the hotel opened is the public uh, out That's here it. in New York. Yep. It's, uh, I've been there. It's it's got an amazing energy, and you can definitely see uh, the the spaces, the public spaces, having that communal effect. It's actually yeah. very nice to be in there and and see what goes on in the library and uh, and the rest of it. So uh, it's a fantastic uh, hotel, I would say, and and definitely as a visionary, I'm sure he's done very well, mm. and he's setting the tone for the next stage. We're definitely seeing brands actually starting to get more into this and recognizing the fact that. Uh, people want experiences and not just cookie cutter, right. check in, perfect, consistent, out. But people want something different, especially not me as a millennial, but I'm sure the millennials want much, much more of that. And we've seen that across not the ho hotel side, but you can see the co-working spaces that people are actually enjoying that kind of stuff. So bringing the two together when staying in a hotel, um, you can see hotels are like the Moxie from Marriott. Mm. It's a classic example where they're trying to create that kind of um, uh, guests to interact with each other, and that becomes the life of, mm. of people's visit or stay in a hotel, apart yeah. from just the room itself. Yeah. So I'm sure you're going to start seeing a lot more of this. Airbnb, for sure, has, is playing a part because they're, they're focused on that in a big way. Mm. So picking up something from there, but, but still having the consistency of a hotel mm. uh, is critical. So we, the hoteliers can actually really win and, and win and do well if they continue to innovate with combining the best of what's happening on, on an Airbnb side as well as the hotel side and offer that to the guests could be a really big win for, yeah. for hotels. Yeah, and also I think the on-property experience of the guests when they're there uh, is also very important for the overall, obviously the overall experience for the guests. Um, do you think hotels have a tendency today, I'm not sure if, if in New York it's a little bit different, to focus too much perhaps on technology when a, a guest is on property and that they need to have all of the bells and whistles in order to be seen as hip and trendy and, and in the know, if you like? Obviously on property experiences are very important and technology can help uh, enhance those, but I, I often have a tendency to think today that some hotels perhaps go a little more than they should. What's your take on that? Very interesting. I mean, I've, I've heard this debate a lot, <clears throat> saying is too much technology taking the personal touch away from uh, hotel guests, uh, hotel staff guest interactions. Um, it's a fine line, and what's important is to identify technology companies which can enable the interactions between a hotel staff member and a guest, because um, if they can take away a lot of the basic mundane things like uh, welcome back Andre, uh, would you want a high floor, low floor, um, I mean um, this is where all the restaurants are and um, thank you very much for staying with us. I mean if you can take away the mundane stuff and have more of an interaction where people get a little more, a little more interactive with you as a guest, 
I think it goes a lot more way to making a personal connection. Mm. So I would just use technology as an enabler to help drive that uh, more customer experience. I would say uh, more over like um, genuine versus uh, the usual words that they're taught from uh, scripted words. So if you can move away from scripted words to more genuine interaction using technology, I think it'll be a really big win for hotels. Yeah, yeah. That's the key, finding those tech companies uh, that can help do that for yeah, you. Yeah, good. Um, let's go back a little bit now. Early on in your career, before there were pricing intelligence systems in play in our industry, I believe you used to go out and check the, uh, the room rates at the airport hotels in New York and base your, um, your, your forecasts and future off that. Talk to me a little bit about that. I find that very interesting and I think it's very innovative. Tell me, first of all, what made you think to do that yes. and, and how, did it, how did you apply it here and how successful was it? Uh, that's a good one. I, I'm sure you've found out, you've done some work around it and found out that we used to do something very unique. So, um, so we, we, we did create some proprietary revenue techniques of our own which use basic occupancy demand for the hotels. But one of the things that we never had is we knew how our hotel was doing and we were not sure what was happening around the market. I mean, to some extent you can. So, so you could monitor certain pricing and there were not a lot of tools available at your fingertips. So what we used to do is, uh, the first part is look on Expedia at that point in time. And Expedia at that point had probably like 10, five, uh, eight to 10 pages of hotels in New York, maybe even lower. And what they would serve up to most customers were hotels in Manhattan uh, right up front because that's where people wanted to stay. And if you go down to page eight or nine or 10, you would just find airport hotels being on that page. And no matter what would happen is whenever the demand would, would come into the city and if it's within three or four weeks and you start seeing airport hotels appear on page two and then on page one, then you know there's really heavy demand because they don't have enough inventory and they're putting up the airport results on page page one. That tells you that there's a lot of demand so you can actually hold back some of the inventory and price at a much higher level, even if you're not getting enough rooms. But towards the end, you might be the, one of the only few hotels available where you would have a ton of rooms. It's either you or maybe a couple of airport hotels if you want to stay in Manhattan. So we did we did a pretty unique revenue management uh, case study that way. The second one was actually interesting too, is we would look at, um, Priceline used to have the bidding model, so you'd get bids of 79, 89, 89, 99, and say, you missed so much of revenue because you didn't take this business. Whenever we started seeing those rates go from 99 to 149 to 159 to 169, and people are bidding higher, mm. then you could automatically correlate saying, listen, Somebody's actually doing the work and bidding higher, they know it's heavy. So then you take that data point and you say, if Priceline people were bidding higher, there's definitely gonna be a higher demand in that, in that time frame. So you would take up your pricing accordingly. So these are some of the unique things that we would do to, to actually help enhance the pricing. And it worked very well for a lot of our hotels without the sophisticated revenue management systems that we can see today. Yeah, so. good, good, good. You, you talk about um, obviously modern, modern day revenue technology systems. Given your, your experience and your expertise in that area, how do you see the current state of revenue management systems available today in the marketplace? and uh, what do you see for them as the future? What, what, what would be likely their future roadmap in, around systems and products for revenue management? 
Yeah, I think uh, I, I think a great deal has happened um, in the revenue management systems. A couple of things have actually facilitated that. Um, one is the sheer amount of data aggregation that's happened over the last few years and tons of data. Um, it's become humanly impossible for for hoteliers without some sort of a system to look at uh, enormous amounts of disparate data and make decisions. Uh, hotels which only look inwardly and make those decisions uh, will definitely not do as well as uh, their peers or competition. Um, so the revenue management systems have evolved uh, dramatically over the past uh, few years, I would say, uh, with a lot more people coming in and, and making making a dent. Um, obviously with Duetto, uh, Logic, uh, previously it was Rainmaker and Ideas and uh, the traditional re revenue management systems. They've also had to evolve and change. And uh, I think the core, core tenant is hoteliers are still very fragmented. So they're taking some of these uh, new age revenue management systems and partially using it. They're not fully using it. The two reasons why is one is they're not comfortable with it. And number two is the revenue management systems also have to do a lot more to make more automation uh, the key, which mm. will take time. And the reason why it happens is because the hotel industry uh, data is still very fragmented, mm. unlike the others, like an airline or financial industry. So, so it takes time. But I think it's moving in the right path. Um, uh, it's it's amazing. I think the adoption rate within of revenue management systems, because we have a long tail of um, of, of hotels. Um, it's probably within seven to ten percent. So there's a there's a lot of opportunity for these these companies to actually do that. The other most important thing is, if people are going to have cars which are self-driven, which means you don't need a driver, think about where revenue management should be in the next four to five years. The mm -hmm. technology exists mm -hmm. of all the artificial intelligence, the machine learning, the algorithms, the data scientists. Uh, the, the computing power wherein you can do millions, millions of gigabytes of data crunching and give a result of what to do. So all of that exists and it's still getting better and better. Mm -hmm. And as these firms use all these techniques and give the confidence to more and more users, I think you will see a, a fantastic, fantastic evolution um, to the benefit of a lot of hotels mm -hmm. uh, who are using it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the ones who don't use uh, some of these systems um, will will actually find it very very difficult, and over time it'll 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 grow. That if you really want to be successful, uh, more and more owners will insist on using some of these sophisticated systems. Mm -hmm. Also, from an independent hotelier's perspective, it's um, a lot of hotels at that level don't have budgets to to um, obviously they can buy the system, but they may not be able to have the the right resources or afford the resources. To manage those systems optimally for them. In Germany, there's an example, there's a company or a group in Germany that have just started offering outsourcing of revenue management services to hotels and they are doing very, very well. They're, they're seeing a huge pickup rate in the European market. Is that something that's also happening here in America? Have you heard of that in the US market? And do you think that that's potentially something that could be a good fit for some hotels? versus others, or what's your take on that? If a hotel was to say to an external source, okay guys, I'm gonna hire you, you manage all of my revenue management for me, I can't deal with it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's a good uh, interim solution um, because uh, it's a nice, you, you could, you're, you're right, there are a lot of independent smaller hotels who just can't afford to have a revenue manager on staff 
um, and would probably uh, have an outsourced uh, uh, company doing it for you as long as they do it. Uh, it's more and more important for <clears throat> revenue management systems or companies who do that to, to provide defensible, demonstrable um, benefits to a hotel thing. This is, if you spend $10,000 or $5,000 or whatever the amount is, 5,000 euros, the benefit that you're gonna get validated is going to be 10 times, 15 times, 20 times, and you don't need a human being maybe. Yeah. But mm. we're not there yet. Mm. So in this transition period, <clears throat> a combination of using software and services is important. If it's just revenue management services by itself without a background software, going back to my point, is there's just, it's just too much information for any human being to crunch. Right. It's just impossible. Yeah. So it has to be a combination of software and service right now in this interim period. And that's something which we're seeing to some effect we're seeing in the US, people providing those revenue management services, but also looking for the tools yeah. that can help them serve the end hotel customer too. Yeah. Yeah. So we're seeing that. So that could be a really good hybrid model, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but for us as a tech investor, the multiples are when you have technology doing all the work, yeah. and when you have people doing the work, it's not as sexy maybe for the Silicon Valley or anybody yeah. else. They, all, yeah. they are focused on how do we get people to enable the machines to do all the work, right, right. not technology to help people to do all the work. Yeah, so it's yeah. a different uh, dynamic. dynamic yeah, so. yeah. Uh, you also mentioned earlier in one of your answers about how fragmented the industry is in terms of its data. Um, I totally agree with you and I think everybody in the industry would not argue that point. How can the industry have that changed? How can we change that? What, we're one of the, the, the last industries in, in the world, if you like, to be able to align our data and to have an open platform, if you like, right. where we can all share openly. What's the answer to that? Because it really is a tough question. We've had larger companies um, who have really monopolized the industry, especially on PMS side. Um, and they're unwilling to really share their data or to work with other vendors. How, how do we move that dime forward? It's, there, there's got to be a change somewhere for the better, betterment of the industry. Right. What's your opinion? I mean, it's a fantastic point and we, we always experience that. And um, uh, to your point, it's anybody who's dominant in any specific area, whether it be PMS or CRS or are um, maybe not RMS, but data aggregation or any of those fields, try to keep it closed because mm. they want to protect what they have. Mm. Um, th that was the older school approach. And, and you've seen this not only in hotels, but companies which actually become more and more open have, a have an ability to grow much faster. So yes, for sure, we, we need to see more of that open API concept uh, to, to, to develop. Well, what, what is definitely not gonna happen is the big guys are not just gonna open it up and no. do it. No. So the only other way that can do it is startups have to be something forceful of like adding tremendous value that the big guys have to open up a connection to, to facilitate that startup because a lot more hoteliers may want it. Yeah. The second thing is the big brands could actually help. The big brands uh, have their own systems, but if they start start opening up and say, "Listen, we want we want innovation. We want innovation across our platforms. We can open our stuff to booking behavior. We can open it to loyalty. We can open it to um, to property management in a different way." I think that will facilitate uh, things or move things in a faster route 
than trying to go after every single independent hotel. And we've seen that in many of the investments that we do. Mm. If you don't need an interface or interaction with other systems, you can scale much faster. Mm. The minute you need integrations, it slows you down. And But still, there are companies that are willing to do that and approach it. Uh, but I think the big brands could definitely help. And I think it'll be good to to get uh, some sort of like alliances or uh, like you've seen the open open uh, open source software that exists there. So some sort of like alliances that that people could join and and be part of a movement to try to get people to move to an open source uh, or open APIs. Mm, good, good. That's the buzzer telling me time is up. <laughs> but before we finish, yeah. I have two more questions. Um, the first one is, where if I was to come back to New York, yeah. which Highgate property would you recommend that I stay in? It depends. Do you like luxury? Do you like... Uh... Who doesn't like luxury? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we, it's, we're uh, right now on uh, 7th Avenue and uh, 56th uh, over here, mm -hmm. uh, which is Park Central is actually a great hotel too. Uh, we have a luxury hotel called the Quinn, which is which is nearby. Mm -hmm. It's it's excellent. Um, uh, the Highgate just recently took over uh, the 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 Gansevoort Park Avenue, which is now uh, being called the Royalton uh, Park Avenue. In fact, the Royalton was one of uh, Ian Traeger's properties back in the days, and uh, Highgate already manages the original Royalton. Uh, that's another pro property which has a great rooftop and uh, and Tao Group's actually going to be doing a lot of the food and beverage so it's going to be very interesting with a great vibe. Mm. So I've given you two properties cool. there, cool. very different. I'll also. check them out. Yeah. And the final question, um, when you have friends or family visiting you here in New York, where's a must-to go-to place or restaurant or bar that you like to take them? Oh wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> so definitely go to the refinery rooftop. Okay. Uh, that's fantastic. It's got a great uh, vibe there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then if you want more low-key, no reservations place, I like this place called Cafe Mogador. Okay. Um, it's in the Lower East Side and uh, they, it's French Moroccan food. Mm. Great couscous uh, for sure. Uh, tagines are excellent. Oh, that's one of my favorite. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, so I hope that uh, that answers. But I can give you a ton of re restaurant okay. and bar recommendations too. So no, that's great, no problem. Kiran, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank I you. I appreciate your time. Thank you. If you enjoyed that episode, folks, please make sure you subscribe and hit the bell button for your notifications. Thanks for watching. Until next time, bye for now.